Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Do you remember playing hide and seek as a kid? I had a good laugh this week when a friend of mine and I, we reminisced about a situation that occurred 32 years ago at my 12-year-old birthday party. We were all playing an intense game of hide-and-go-seek, and my friend Dave, he was the seeker, and the rest of us were hiding. Our yard was about an acre, and behind our big old shed was this big old garden, and my friend Bill, he was back there hiding, seemingly too good. He was in the middle of four rows of corn. Now, Dave, he was the seeker. He was 16 years old. He was four years older than the rest of us, and let's just say he was a bit husky. Bill was so still that David had no idea he was in there. And when Dave shined the flashlight on him, he was startled and he jumped up and karate kicked him in the gut. Bill moaned and said, oh, shucks. Just kidding, that's just a corn pun. He just laid there and moaned and said, Dave, it's me, Billy. He got creamed. But hide and go seek, it's a fun game to play when you're a kid. I still remember some of my favorite places to hide. When we were outside, I'd always go way up in the tree. I mean, way up where our cheap flashlights weren't able to provide sufficient light to see. Inside the house when I was younger, I remember loving to hide in a clothes hamper and putting a couple things of clothes on top of me. It was a great spot. Well, the object of the game was clear. You are to hide your physical body from someone looking for you. Before you played hide and seek, more than likely you played a little game called peekaboo. And as a child, you naturally thought when you couldn't see someone that they couldn't see you. We thought somehow they magically disappeared or that we disappeared. I remember playing that game hide-and-seek with my little cousins and they would hide their head under a blanket and their legs would be sticking out and then sure enough they thought they were fully invisible but we could see them. Another game I liked to play as a kid with my mom that I now play with my kids not so much now because they're older but it was Don't Smile. We would take this pen and rub it lightly on our arms and they would try to remain stoic but eventually you'd see this little crack in the smile And now we don't typically use a pen, we just enjoy teasing each other or telling jokes and trying hard not to break a smile or laugh. You know, don't smile and hide and go seek, they are still fun to do in a lot of ways. But I will say, the skills we honed as kids playing these games can now be harnessed and used as defense mechanisms as adults. We do this in our everyday lives. As adults, there are times that we instinctively try to conceal things. Physically, we may literally hide and isolate. We can avoid others physically, but we can also learn a few tricks to conceal some physical things about ourselves. We can use cover-ups or makeups or vertical stripes. Emotionally, we can hide a lot with a smile. We can become skilled at avoiding conversations that could lead to depth. We can become masters of redirection, focusing on the other person. Well, why do we want to cover up and hide certain things about us? The reason we do this is often because we feel like we have to. I mean, what if the truth were known about a situation? What if people found out who we truly are? It could be really painful to be exposed. It could be embarrassing or lead to shame. Remember two years ago when you used to have people over your house? Your house could literally be a war zone until 30 minutes before they arrive. There could be stuff everywhere. You'd then yell at everyone in the home, hey, clean this place up, it looks awful. The kids are then hiding toys in boxes, blankets are folded, clothes and books and papers go into drawers or closets or under furniture. 
Kitchen cabinets are now filled with mail and papers that were on the countertop. We get really amazingly creative at hiding our junk, right? When in the midst of this chaos of hiding things, there's typically some snarky remarks flying around. Didn't I tell you to pick that up yesterday? What's this stain doing on the couch? It fired back, I don't know. Don't look at me. The conversation gets a bit more intense and then all of a sudden there's a ding dong. There's the doorbell. Hey, get to the door right now and smile. And you show up at the door and, oh, hello. Things are great. Come on in. We've been expecting you for three minutes. Video conferencing has made connecting with others a lot less stressful these days. Whether it's a personal call, a small group, or a work meeting, there's a small camera angle that needs to, you need to make sure that it looks put together, right? As long as you stay in your chair and that camera angle's in a fixed position, no one knows that you have on red pajama, red pajama velvet pants or fluffy slippers and that 85% of your office is in complete disarray. There's even retouch filters on Zoom. They say they hide wrinkles and pimples and little things like that. We definitely get good at hiding things, don't we? Our mistakes, our flaws, and we do this again because of a rational fear of being rejected or shamed if we don't. Some folks, they began doing this at home early in life. In fact, I would say all of us to some capacity did, but some folks really had overly aggressive parents and they demanded that weaknesses were never shown or revealed. Emotions should not be shown, and if emotions were laid bare, put out in the open, it would lead to ridicule. It was perceived as weakness. So some people learn very early in life, not only to be really good at don't smile, but they're super good at playing don't tear up or don't get angry, don't mess up. Emotions were meant to be controlled. And what happens is people get really good at hiding everything. The very parental figures that were supposed to help their children understand emotional safety and vulnerability, that it's safe to be yourself, actually gave an entirely different lesson. But let's be honest, no parental figure gets this perfect. I certainly don't, and somewhere in life we bump into others that have made it very clear that there is a cost to being open and honest. And what ends up happening is there's a loss of intimacy because a relationship full of fear can never be fully intimate. Whenever we find ourselves guarded with a person, a parent, a friend, or a boss, a spouse, we have to recognize there will be a lack of understanding. This week, Carrie and I, we were discussing our schedules, and work-life balance is honestly always very tricky for me. She made her points, I made my points, and it got intense, honestly. We weren't name-calling, but there were definitely some strong emotions involved, and we haven't had this level of intense in a while. And there was no doubt that we both felt misunderstood to some capacity. Without full resolution, I went off to an Exton Chamber of Commerce meeting, and as soon as I walked in there, I was approached by someone asking me if I could attend an early meeting on their behalf next week. And I said, you know what, I was honestly just in an intense conversation about my scheduling and I need to be more cautious about taking on additional meetings. He didn't say, okay, got it. He began explaining that, oh, you know, your wife must be jealous of your time. And I said, no, this, is, this isn't minor jealousy. She's rightly concerned for my health because if I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm pushing too hard, it just affects everyone in our household. Even my being present when I'm not well is not being fully present. And he cut me off and said, well, she's just jealous. And I said, no, no, no. And I wish I could have chosen just to say no. I said, I cannot attend the meeting. Well, I know he meant well, but that conversation cost him and I some intimacy because I chose not to fake a smile, and it cost me. I was looking for a, sorry to hear that. That's tough. Make sure you honor her and your family. But instead, I found myself getting emotionally agitated, just like I did 30 minutes prior. And this, of course, was very telling about my own agitation and my schedule. 
you know, I'm now afraid to be honest with others because I'll never let my guard down again, right? No. Anyone who knows me know that's not true. I have to be honest and show what's really going on, but I do understand the cost of vulnerability. Again, all this to say is when there was a fear in a relationship, there's a loss of intimacy. We stop being open and honest. We stop showing our flaws because we're afraid it's going to cost us. This is exactly the opposite way we should live out our lives before God. Yet because of the way we were raised, the things that have happened to us, the way we treat God is often like we treat others, inauthentically, guarded, hidden. We may try to impress God with a fake smile, a redirected prayer, or a happy thoughts only kind of attitude. We may try to perform for Him, work really hard at doing the right things to impress Him. We pray, we read our Bibles, we give, we serve, we listen to others. We do, we do, we do, we do, but if we're honest, we do because we don't want to disappoint God or to make Him angry. We just want to please Him, not for the sake of pleasing Him. We just want to keep Him at arm's distance because we're afraid of Him. And just like with people, when there's a fear in a relationship, there's a cost to intimacy. When we try to fake it for God, it costs us. Over the last several weeks, we've been in the book of Psalms, and this has been a challenge to go to God raw and unfiltered. And today, as we examine Psalms 139, this will prove to be excessively traumatic if you hate vulnerability and if you desire secrecy and distance. Psalms 139 says very directly that we cannot hide from God. You cannot do it. I cannot do it. It cannot be done. Not physically, not emotionally, no way, no how. So my question is, is this good news or bad news for you? Does this bring peace or distress? And your answer to that question, it reveals your view of God. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but have you ever thought about what God thinks about when God thinks about you? Again, have you ever thought about what God thinks about when God thinks about you? Do you think that God thinks about you at all? Do you think God is aware of you personally? I mean, come on, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Is God really able to zoom in on your own individual life and see you? Well, Psalms 139 says yes. Yes, he can. And this psalm declares that God wants to be intimately involved in our lives. If you find yourselves unsettled by a God that wants to be involved in your life, that sees every area of your life, that understands your thoughts, if you find that unsettling, I really hope you'll lean in today. I hope you'll find comfort in knowing that God wants a relationship with you. And today, let's explore Psalms 139 and read how the author found inexpressible joy and comfort in knowing that God says he's with him. And he wanted to spend eternity with that God. And God desires that kind of relationship with each of us. We're going to be reading through this psalm verse by verse. And I will be making three statements that I believe have the power to help you rethink what you think about when you think about God thinking about you. Because if you see God as a God that fully knows you, that he sees you and wants an intimate relationship with you, that's transformational. It affects every relationship you have in this life and it affects your eternity. Well, Psalms 139 starts off with this declaration. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. These four verses are making a powerful statement. And here's the point. God knows me. Some people turn to this chapter to explore theology. What can we learn about God? We'll be seeing how God is omniscient, that he's all-knowing. Omnipresent, that he's everywhere. He's omnipotent, he's all-powerful. 
And this text can provide all that. But if we stay at this impersonal level, we miss the intimate, personal nature of God with his creation. We have the chance here to read the psalmist's open and honest prayer to God. And we learn from that prayer. And we can learn how we can pray to God. And so I would challenge you. Say this as your own personal prayer right now, out loud. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. These verses communicate again and again that God knows us. And the word here, know, isn't Facebook friend kind of know, isn't coworker down the road kind of know, next door neighbor kind of know. No, this is an intimate knowledge. The term search here in this passage is best understood as to examine. And this is a term that is used for mining operations, digging in, peering around. And God has done that and knows us. This is deeply personal and intimate knowledge that leads to God knowing us even better than we know ourselves. The following verses are an artistic way of communicating, you know everything about me, every detail. You know my actions when I sit down, when I lie up. You know my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. It says that God is attentive to us. God knows us. He knows what gets us moving and when we stay still. He knows what we're going to say before we say it because he's been happening. He knows what's happening neurologically inside our brains. He can see which parts of our brains are activated before we speak. You know, I know Carrie and my wife and my children pretty well. I know them imperfectly. I can often predict what their behavior is going to be before it happens. If I say, hey, what do you want from Chick-fil-A? I know Carrie's going to say, number one, no pickles, fries, no drink. Ian, spicy chicken, no pickles, fries, and a diet lemonade. Nate, eight pieces grilled nugget, fries, and a regular lemonade. Quinn says, don't go there, go next door to Freddy's for a kid's burger. No cheese, ketchup only, lots of it, fries, and a pink lemonade. No ice so that I can get as much lemonade as humanly possible. I know the kind of movies they like. I know what angers them, what makes them laugh. But you know what? Sometimes they can still surprise me. You know, you, you could definitely surprise me. If I didn't know you well enough, I could ask, how are you doing? And you could easily fake me out. But Psalms 139 says plainly that we cannot fake God out. He knows us, all of us. In verses 5 to 7, the psalmist points out the care he receives because he's known by God. And because he's known by God, God is with him. And when we have that relationship with God, we too can confidently say, God's with me. Just like the psalmist said in verse 5, he says, You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You know, this section screams that you cannot be out of God's presence. You hem me in, as in this language, it can make you feel like a baby being swaddled, or it might feel like a straitjacket. God wants you to have the image that it's the swaddle, and he wants to wrap you in and lay his hand on you to give you an attaboy or girl, and to let his presence be known to you. You know, I saw my little daughter traumatized on the orthodontics office recently. She was having a palate expander put in her mouth, and I was in the lobby waiting patiently for her. They came in and got me and said, hey, Quinn could really use you right now. When I walked back there in the chair, she was doing her best to keep it together, but she was terrified. She said, Dad, 
this feels awful. I feel like I'm choking. I can't swallow. This is awful. Please don't make me have this in there. I don't care if I have crooked teeth. Please take this off. Let him take it off of me. And she wasn't being dramatic. She was literally quivering. So I placed my hand on her leg and we did some deep breathing and I began reminding her that the people here knew what was going on, was going to take good care of her, that she could rest. And my hand was on her and she trusted me. And my presence meant something to her. It calmed her. But you know, I can't always be with her. She senses my distance when I'm just a room away and needs a reminder. But God, there's no place we can go that he's not with us. This is hugely important for you to know when you don't feel him or sense his presence. Because this psalmist says that he's always with you. That there's no height. Yes, he was present when Jeff Bezos was orbiting the earth. And no depth, even in the deepest cave or cavern. You cannot go too far east or too far west. And no amount of darkness can keep us from him. There are dark times. And we are in dark times. And we can believe that God's not there. But trust it. He's working in Afghanistan. He's in Haiti. He's in COVID rooms. He's in your deepest, darkest, despairing place that you find yourself in. As David said in Psalm 23, he's even with us in the valley of the shadow of death. He's always with us. He's always been there. So today we said God knows me, God is with me, and lastly I want you to know that God is for me because he formed me. Again, I'll say it, God is for me because he formed me. Listen to what verse 13 says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. You know, this reinforces that you are not an accident, an oversight, a mistake. Hear me in this. You were created. You were knit together. You were created on purpose and for purpose. This is such a mystery. That is why the psalmist repeats again and again. Your knowledge is too wonderful for me to grasp. I don't get it. But you and I, we don't have to get it to believe it. Friends, God invites us into a relationship with him. But he doesn't force us into one. This psalm either brings us ultimate peace or ultimate anxiety. The thought of God knowing us, being for us, knowing every aspect of our lives, that there's no place to escape him. This is wonderful if we have an intimate relationship with him where we don't live in fear. You know, people have always been on a pursuit of more intimacy, better health, living longer, being more active, feeling better. And the Bible is clear. This solution comes in our rebirth. We are sealed with it this day. We begin experiencing some of it now, but we ultimately, it'll be put in full effect in our next life. To know that regardless of what happens in this life has no bearing on my life to come when I put my faith in Jesus, this takes away so many worries and anxieties. But this is reason to be concerned if we reject God if we say no to his offer of grace. Because God knows all, he sees all, he knows all, he knows what our shortcomings are. And we can try to hide from him, we can try to pretend like he can't see them, but he does. And what we need to learn is that God wants to forgive those things. We don't earn his love by doing good things, we simply receive his love. When we mess up, we don't hide and pretend he doesn't see it or fake it for him. No, we come to him with all our good reasons to hide, and we invite him into our messy homes, our messy lives, our addictions, our hang-ups, our habits, and we come to him raw and unfiltered. 
and say, loving and perfect Father that knows all and sees all, who's been in my darkest moments, I need to be saved by you. Let me remind you of John 3, 16 and 17. And it says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, every single one of us who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And again, everyone means you and me. We all have this opportunity. Peter said it plainly in 2 Peter 3, 9. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So join me in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. God, you know all things. You know our deepest regrets, our sins, our sorrows, and you knew all of those and still chose to be with us because you love us. And that, God, we're so thankful that you're for us and that you created a way for us to reconnect with you through the sacrifice of Jesus. So, God, we thank you for that. We remember that now. And so, God, we take the time and say thank you for loving us that much. And we look forward to spending eternity with you. God, during this time, I'm also mindful of just all the things that are going on in the world. And so, God, because we know you're with us, we know that you're there also. So, God, you are in Afghanistan. You're in Haiti. You're in classrooms that are filled with anxiety as people are returning to school. And so, God, we thank you for being there as well. Guide and direct each one of us. Help us to be you to those around us who need to sense your presence. Thank you for being with us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.